Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Uh, the, um, my problem is the inner ear. Oh, just a minute. Yeah. Good morning, folks, from Coolidge, Arizona, on August the 2nd, 2015. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you. Uh, we have a lot to cover today, and um, hopefully um, we'll have things that will help understand some of the things we talked about three weeks ago. First of all, I want to go, we're in Acts chapter 2, and uh, enjoyed seeing everybody up in Oregon. I haven't fully recovered from the, the drive yet. All that, all that uh, Highway 10 traffic was diverted into the side roads, and... Uh, the uh, it was bumper to bumper traffic all night. So anyway, we're in Acts chapter two, and I want to read a section right to begin with, and then we'll go to work. Um, verse uh, we want to start with verse thirty one. He's been talking about. We've already read these verses, but I want to read them uh, coming into where we want to go. Uh, verse thirty one. He looked ahead. And he's he's quoting David there. Uh, He looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ and that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. And so we'll come back and discuss that, but we've already talked about it. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. Now, we spent a couple of weeks on that, so we don't need to go through that again. But it was, for it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord says to my Lord, Uh, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, now, we get into a more approximate um, text of where we've been dealing with. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll not receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, you'll receive the gift that the Holy Spirit provides. For the promise, verse 39 And we dealt with all of these things three weeks ago. We took every phrase and dissected it. We don't need to do that again. 
For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Don't go the way it has gone. Verse 41 So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now we've got some things to to talk about there. Some of it is in uh, review. But the theme of this whole discourse of Peter we want to talk about. One, he's talking about Jesus and his wonderful works. He's talking about Jesus in his death on the cross. He is talking about Jesus in his resurrection from the dead. He is talking about Jesus in his exaltation and glorification. He is talking about Jesus in his kingly power and authority. That is the theme of this discourse. The strength of this sermon of Peter rests on his resurrection and exaltation. Because the Christhood of Jesus depended on his resurrection. If he had not been raised from the dead, then his cause had failed of any uh, had failed of any divine or holy vindication, and those who condemned him were justified. But if he had been raised from the dead, Jesus had or God had vindicated his cause and his enemies were loaded with fearful guilt in condemning and crucifying their own Messiah. And that summarizes what we had in verse 37. And when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. The very ones who had participated in or were witnesses of the Lord being crucified. So that's, uh, that's the theme That's the big picture of Peter's uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost. It's revolving around who Jesus was, what he had accomplished, and what he had said about him. Now, the second thing here is that there was something that reached the stubbornness and the rebelliousness of these people's hearts. And it broke them to pieces in verse 37 as the hammer breaks the rock. And we have to ask, what was it? We miss this. We overlook this. Most, most of Protestantism won't address it. But what was it? It's when they heard this, they were pierced to the Heart. It was the truth that Peter proclaimed 
It established conviction. And the converting power came through the audience's ears into the understanding. The power of God comes in through the ears. And what we hear can have the impact, depending on what we do with what we hear, of bringing us to conviction and then to a decision. It's through the ears. Don't forget that. If you've ever talked to your neighbors, they hear little soft voices, but it's not through their ears. That's why preaching in Romans 10, 17, how should they hear without a what? Without a preacher. And how shall they preach unless they be sent? So the purpose of the church is to train and send out preachers who that they can in themselves preach the truth and the truth as it is preached through the ears enters the heart of understanding and changes lives. There's no magic. It comes through the ears. That's how God has has ordained it. Now, in verse 41, and we're going to have to go back a little bit, but let me just jump now to verse 41. And that is that those who had received his word of all that he has preached about Christ they were baptized. And we mentioned that baptism is water baptism. That's the word baptized or uh, to be immersed is, is the word that implies a liquid. It's not gasoline. It's not oil. It's water. And uh, that day there were 3,000 3, souls added out of the same group that Peter has addressed, who he has accused of being the ones who had brought him to the crucifixion, either by just allowing it to happen or by actually participating in it. And, and, and I want to I take you back and show you the difference between what happened in, at the beginning of the law and what happens here at the beginning of the New Covenant. So let's go back to the book of, um, uh, I think it's the book of Exodus. Go back with me to the book of Exodus, and and chapter 32, and verse 25. We start with verse 25. So first of all, we have discussed the foundation of Peter's message of his sermon here on the day of Pentecost. It encompasses the whole uh, life and ministry and purpose of Jesus. And the command, you know, that reminds me, we ought to go back, before we get into Exodus 32, 
Let's go back and look at First uh, John. First John chapter three and verse twenty-three. Have you got it? Okay, first John three twenty-three. Now we have we have something made here. Made on Jesus' talk what I mentioned first, the foundation of Peter's message was those events surrounding Jesus Christ. Now in first John chapter three and verse twenty three. This is his commandment. You know, we have to go back to verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And, you know, and these people had a Jewish background, and so they, they immediately converted back to the Old Testament. People bring up the commandments today, and they don't have a clue what they're talking about. Whenever people bring that up, it's usually an escape of individual responsibility. Here is the commandment in verse 23. This is his commandment. This is his commandment. Have you got it? This is his commandment. Oh, now he's going to tell us what it is. It's a demonstrative pronoun. Here it is, that we believe. That's the commandment. This is his commandment, that we believe in the nature, the character, the essence of his Son, Jesus Christ, and secondly, to love one another just as he command, as just as the Lord commanded us. Now, notice that the commandment is clearly defined. It's not talking about Exodus 20, and we're going to talk about it in the General Assembly today, about the commandments of Exodus chapter 20, but here in John... He's telling those under the new covenant, here is the commandment. The commandment is that we believe. Not just believe, but that our belief is positioned in who Jesus was. That's the commandment we that's the commandment that we have under the new covenant. We are commanded to be believers. And so all of the evidence of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if it isn't sufficient to bring you to that, then uh, there's no, there is nowhere else to go. And with that evidence, you are commanded. The commandment of God is that you believe, and once you believe, there, is, there are responsibilities to that belief that you have to live up to. And the, and the big one is how you relate to those within the body. The one another means those who are just like yourself. They're a part of the same family. That's the family identity that we talked about six weeks ago, that when you die, you are first of all gathered unto your people, those people with whom you have made your identity with. Those are the Christian people who have obeyed the gospel not because they're domestic family, um, not for any of those reasons, not because they were church pew people, but, but because they had done, believed the commandment 
fulfilled what that belief requires and uh, that they had a they had a compassion and a care for the folks of the kingdom and then when you die you are gathered to those people who are just like yourself just as Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were gathered to their own people they were called to those people uh, who had uh, responded to the promise in some way the same as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had. So this is the commandment. So the commandment isn't to go back to the old covenant. The commandment is to believe in Jesus. The evidence is adequate. Now we are commanded by God. You believe that evidence and when you believe, you will carry out its requirements. Now let's go back to Exodus chapter 32. I got a um, verse 25. I want to make a, show you a distinction here between if you want to go back under the law, you've got a problem, and we all know that as compared with under the New Testament. In Genesis 20, uh, 32, verse 25, Now when Moses saw that the people were out of control, and that's, see, Moses uh, had just received the two, two tablets of the testimony, the tablets of stone in verse uh, chapter 31, the last verse of that chapter, uh, the, the very thing that had been written by the finger of God and they, Moses had just accepted that and received it. So with all of that background, we are, we're familiar with, I think. Then, then in verse 25, Now when Moses saw, came down off the mountain, saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Then Peter stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp and kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. Now notice verse 28. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed and about three thousand men of the people fell that day. Three thousand people fell that day who had opposed Moses being on the mountain, bringing back the law, and being led by Aaron so on the initiation of the covenant, when Moses came down and found the people in disarray, there were 3,000 people slain. Now go to Acts chapter 2.42. Notice the difference between what happens under the law when there was perverseness toward the things of God and how God dealt with that under the law. As to how it is dealt with under the new covenant. Acts 
Notice verse 41. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and there were added how many? 3,000 souls again. 3,000 under the law were put to death. 3,000 under grace were brought to life. And those who were brought to life were the very ones who did more and worse atrocities than those under the law, and they were given life. Folks, that's the difference between law and grace. 3,000 under the law, 3,000 under the new covenant. The law commenced with 3,000 slain under the law's condemnation. The gospel commences with 3,000 made alive, pardoned, and justified through the grace of God. Jerusalem sinners involved in the in the uh, crucifixion of their Lord, were saved. Those people of Jerusalem were saved. Those people of Sinai were put to death. If you can't see the difference, then you've got a problem. I can't deal with it. Any questions so far? Okay, so... So far today, uh, we have seen the, the foundation in a statement, the foundation of Peter's sermon. Secondly, we have noticed that the access to the heart is through what people hear. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans ten seventeen, and thirdly, the difference between the old covenant. When it commenced in its beginning and the beginning of the new covenant, one brought death and the other brought life. What a contrast. So let's go back to our text in the book of Acts. I don't know how far we we were three weeks ago. We gave an analysis of uh, verse 38. uh, Every one of you into the name of Jesus Christ or in the name, in the character of, and for, for by the way, I think we have the Greek word there, and it has to do that this is the basis of why you are baptized. And you know what? It was on. It was on or upon. Upon this basis. Epi, maybe? I think so. I was trying to pull it up. Okay. We'll pull that up here and confirm that. But uh, so when it says that and be baptized, he doesn't say you should wait five years because the command is to believe. And once when one believes their house is on fire, what's the evidence they believe? I mean, what's the evidence that they believe that their house is on fire? They get out of it. You cannot have a belief that is static. Belief is active. It is, it is the, not just a decision, but it is the action that comes from that decision. So when he says the command is to believe in Jesus, that's the basis of 
all of your life and all of your thinking. And when we understand that he said, remember in verse 36 to 37, that, that um, the Lord has, that Jehovah God has made him both Lord, that means the supreme authority, the supreme authority. And the supreme authority has told us in Matthew 28 that you believe and are baptized. Those are the ones who shall be saved. So what is there about the supremacy of Jesus' authority that you don't accept, that you haven't done the right thing when the evidence is adequate for you to have believed? And then once you have believed, then you ought to do what that belief tells you to do. And that, in this case, is to be buried with Christ in Christian baptism. Now, there should be no hesitancy. Once one has come to a belief that Jesus is the supreme authority, that he is the anointed one of God, and he has heard the message, he should be convicted enough to the point where he says, well, now, here's what I need to do, or what is it that I need to do? That's what happened here. The hearing brought about conviction. They asked, what shall we do? There was something to do, and he's telling them to repent and be baptized. On what basis? Well, upon the basis of who Jesus is, and that's the Greek word epi there, is translated in, it ought to never have been in, it should be upon the basis of what Jesus represents. Folks, once we realize the message of Peter about who Jesus is and what he represents, as discussed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we should have no problem in surrendering to his authority and doing what he has commanded us to do. Now, we need to get serious about that. And, um, and then with a view toward uh, the forgiveness of sins, because the sins are forgiven in baptism. It doesn't make any difference what you think. The Bible teaches that when you are doing the right thing for the right reason, your sins are forgiven. And that's the beginning point. And from that point, we are taught to observe all the things that are commanded in the New Covenant. Pretty simple. So, and uh, verse 39, when it says, As many as the Lord our God shall call, remember that he calls through hearing. Thessalonians says we are called by the gospel. It's when the gospel is preached and that our hearts are right and ready to accept it that that's our calling of God. The calling comes through the word, through the truth, through the preaching of the gospel. Then he says in verse 40, and with many other words did he testify. So there were a lot of things more that he said that we find uh, uh, interesting, but we have everything that we need. First, um, you know, there's no question about that. We're not, we're not doing everything that we're told to do now. Then he completes that statement by saying, save yourselves. That's the individual responsibility of every person hearing to be convicted and to do the thing that saves themselves from where everybody else is heading. 
from a very perverse generation, untoward generation, unholy generation. He says, don't be a participant in it. Don't copy its attitudes and its lifestyle. Separate yourself from it. Be saved. Come out from among them and be ye separate. That's obvious. Then verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word. They had been called by that word. They had been convicted by that word. They came to the wall and they prayed themselves through and when they got through that wall they looked like they had been drugged through a knot hole. Is that what your translation reads? Well, every church in this block, in this right here in Coolidge, believe that, that you pray yourself through to salvation. Where do you get that in this context? Folks, it just isn't there. That's a made-up, man-made doctrine, and it has no forgiveness in it. Until you have your spirit purified in baptism, which is the act of God, There is no forgiveness, no salvation. Then they that gladly received his word. Why do we have to teach this two times? Why when we have this teaching once, don't we respond and rise up and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ and I want to be buried with him and united with him in the watery grave of baptism? Why does it take a year Why does it take six months? It's because of the stubbornness and the alienation of our hearts that we don't respond to the teaching of God like that. That's the proof of a person's sincerity. Whether it's talking about giving, whether it's talking about any other subject in the Bible, when we hear what it says and what it teaches, Why don't we respond now? That's the proof of sincerity. Then they that gladly received his word, it says in my translation, they waited for eight years because they had to sort things out. Well, what is there to sort out? If you have come, if the, if the information about the Lordship of Christ is inadequate, we need to go back and talk about the Lordship of Christ. But if we understand that Christ is, has been made Lord, that means he has been given supreme authority and he has issued the command as Peter duplicates here for us to be immersed, then why does it take us 24 hours to make a decision? I don't get it. I just don't understand why people are so resistant to the clear teaching of the word. It's, one reason is, as I said before, the, the alienation of their heart from truth. But a lot of times, they've just got so much garbage and stuff in their life. But folks, the command is to believe Christ. And if you believe Christ, That means that you don't believe that he existed. When you believe him, what are you believing? You're believing what it is he said. And that's the commandment of God. It isn't Exodus 20 
The command of God is to believe Jesus. Is that what you're telling people? Is that what you're promoting? Giving people adequate so they can be obedient? Don't talk about obedient to a commandment if you don't know what the commandment is. Learn what the commandment is. The commandment is to believe Jesus. Be prepared to do that. Otherwise, I think we're just playing games. So, the very moment they heard his word, those who gladly received it, not everybody did. They were baptized because that was the, that was the order. They were baptized. The fact that they gladly received the word is evidence of their repentance and that they had already believed. And the same day, there were added. You can't join the church. When you do the right thing, you are added to those who have done the same thing that you did, and though that becomes the family or your people with whom you have your identity, and those are the people whom you join up with when you die. I hope that's clear. So, that same day there were added unto them about 3,000. And look at the very last verse of that chapter, verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Those who were being saved. Now, why is that different from how it is in the King James? In the King James, it says those who were, it's talking about predestination. And those who had been predestination to be saved were the ones that God was adding to the church. Folks, that's nonsense. And it's not here at all. He is talking about those who were baptized, having believed, obeying the commandment, to believe, believing Jesus, Jesus said to repent and be baptized, as Peter claims in in, uh, Acts chapter 2, and having favor with all the people, the Lord adds to the church daily those that were being saved, not those that should be saved by predestination. And that's one of the texts of the Baptist people. Uh, to show that uh, your salvation was predetermined by God. Folks, that isn't what it says. He was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved, not those who had been predestined to salvation. All right, let's go back. Verse 42. And these people who had gladly received his word and were baptized and were added daily by the Lord to the church, to the ecclesia, they continued steadfastly in the apostolic creed, in the Westminster creed, Some of you who have been brought up under creeds, as 
you know, I, that's how we were exposed. My my grandma had been brought up uh, under a creed, and it wasn't until my grandmother was 92 years old when she was baptized into the Lord. 92, all of her life, living what she thought was a Christian life until this passage of Scripture came to her ears and she realized that she had never been immersed into Christ. At 92 years old, she died shortly thereafter. They continued steadfastly, not in man-made creeds, but in the apostles' doctrine. There is the apostolic authority. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in koinia, with the word fellowship. It means having the right things in common. Voluntarily, not by force. The difference between uh, socialism and freedom is force. I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's this underlying. Everything that people want, you know, you know, it's, it just seems odd to me that I don't want to get gross, but it just seems to me like God ordained sex to be a part of the human dimension, and what makes it wrong is when it becomes forced. So why are all these people today so concerned about rape? Because it's, that's what they're opposed to is that it's forced, and yet everything else that they want to do is forced, and that's okay. I'm trying to get my point here by getting your attention first. Everything that people want today politically, they want to make it happen and force it upon everybody else. It's the forced part of what they want to do that's immoral. That part is never dealt with, so uh, very seldom anyway. And, and so not that everything they want to do is in and of itself wrong, it's that they're trying to force it upon everybody. It's not wrong to care for your neighbor, but it's wrong to force your neighbor or somebody else to help the neighbor against his will. It's the force that makes it wrong, not the fact of itself, and we keep getting caught up in the action rather than getting caught caught up in the force behind forcing that action into a law. And that's what makes it wrong. I hope that's clear. You're looking for consistencies in government. You're not going to find it. That's right. You're not going to find any consistency in government. Well, you can look, but if you got time to waste, you won't find it anyway. So, can fund like Planned Parenthood. Yeah. That is immoral to me. And There's nothing wrong with Planned Parenthood. It's because it's forced upon you and they force you to pay for it that's wrong. Anything that you decide to do in those regards is your personal affair. But when you force other people to pay for what you want, then it's immoral. Force is immoral. That's why I don't like war. 
We have, war has never accomplished anything for the good of any people for any period of time. What's that? The only people that benefit are a few uh, people that make arms to sell. That's just very few people. And I, when I, even today, when people lose, I don't care whose people they are. You know, it's not the people who caused the war that are that are dying. It's the people that are forced to kill one another that are dying, and they don't care one way or the other about what it is they're fighting for. They don't know. They don't know. That's right. Most of the time, they don't know. And uh, well, you were a medic. You had compassion, but oh, I tell you. Anyway, let's go on. Our time is gone, but let me finish this verse quickly, and they. They continued steadfastly. That meant every year, every two years, they got together and uh, fasted. And I didn't know. They continued. There was no let up in the apostles' doctrine. Not in Jesus' teaching, because Jesus' teaching was for whom? The house of Israel. And he delegated the apostles, first of all, to go only to the house of Israel, and then in the latter ministry, they were then allowed to go to the Gentiles. And we'll talk more about that later. So, because it was to the apostles that Jesus gave his commandments. And we don't go back to the teaching of Jesus to know how we ought to live. We go to the apostles. So that's why they were studying steadfastly in the apostles' teaching or doctrine and fellowship, that, that's, how they got, that, that's how they were dealing with one another. The word comes from koinia, which means having the important things in common in life. And, uh, and in, then in the breaking of bread and in telling God what he can expect out of you, and that's what the word prayer means here that they were breaking of bread. The breaking of bread, um, that term can be used either for a meal, as it is some places, but likely here it had to do with the Lord's Supper, uh, as we know it, uh, because that's what Jesus instituted, and to prayer, and prayer means, uh, prosuke means to tell God what he can expect out of you. And you people to whom I'm speaking today use prayer to tell God what you expect out of him. And that's the opposite. Prayer is you making a commitment to God what he can expect out of you. Now that puts a slant to it. But that's what the word means. So we have to close. We've covered a lot today. And uh, next week we'll begin with verse uh, 43. Uh, and uh, let's close. Father, we are thankful again to be together in the character of the Lord, to be obedient, to learn how to be obedient to him, and to gladly receive the terms of his word to which we can be obedient, to understand them, 
Lord, may our hearts be pure, no restrictions as to resisting our belief in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.